In this episode, I'll be talking to Dr. Juliet Getty, equine nutritionist. She has been working with horses and their owners for more than 25 years. And as a horse owner herself, everything she recommends is based on one foundational truth, allow a horse to be a horse. We'll be talking about how to feed a horse like a horse, supplementation, and CBD for horses. So grab a pen and paper for this one. Here we go. Episode 48, Feeding Your Horse with Dr. Juliet Getty. Hi, I'm Karen Rolfe, and welcome to Horse Training in Harmony. This podcast is about you making progress with your horse in a way that you both can love. It's about learning how to move and be in harmony. Because yes, you really can develop a horse to be both athletic and happy. When we show up as our best selves for our horses, our horses will show up for us. So let's get started. So Dr. Getty has a PhD in animal nutrition. She is a recipient of several teaching awards She's on, and she's on the advisory board of the Equine Sciences Academy. Dr. Getty is a wealth of information. She has articles, recordings, webinars, as well as several books, including her comprehensive reference, Feed Your Horse Like a Horse. And she has seven topic-focused booklets in her Spotlight on Equine Nutrition series. And you can find all of this on her website, gettyequinenutrition.com. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes, which you can find um, on my website for this podcast, dressagenaturally.net slash podcast, and go to episode 48. Uh, I have used uh, Dr. Getty for personal consults um, about nutrition for my horses, and I use her um, supplement store. Now, just a little... Um, uh, public service announcement, like I do not gain anything. Um, I'm not an affiliate or by any means of Dr. Getty. So as you um, hear me in this podcast, recommending her services and recommending her products that she sells on her store, uh, I don't get anything from it. It's just because I like that there is um, a PhD behind uh, the products that she chooses to sell. And like I said, she is a wealth of free information on her website. So definitely go check it out. But for now, grab that pen and paper. Um, I think you're going to really get a lot out of our conversation. So here we go. All right. Well, I am here with Dr. Juliet Getty. And thank you so much for agreeing to join me on this podcast. Well, it is a real, real pleasure, Karen. Thank you so much for inviting me. We have a lot to talk about today. I know we do. And and one of the things I love about you is you're just so prolific with your sharing of information with people. You can tell that you're, you're passionate about educating people. And um, so I'm, I'm excited to have you here just to help the listeners. And I have some questions. <laughs> I have questions <laughs> for stuff sure. I want to learn from you. So um, I, thought, I thought I'd jump in with something I think is really important and that I learned really through, through you. Uh, you have a book called Feed a Horse Like a Horse. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. And I'd love to just start by maybe if you can explain a little bit about what does that mean to feed a horse like a horse? Well, I think that too many people feed their horses like like their dogs or their cats or their or themselves and 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 that more specifically in that they feed them, you know, three square meals a day or you know, they think that they, they lie down and sleep at night and they don't need to eat during the nighttime hours. I know most people realize that horses are awake most of the time, but, but you'd be surprised at how, how many people um, don't feed or respect the way a horse is designed on the inside. And it is so critical that they have a good understanding but particularly of the digestive physiology of the horse so that they understand why a horse needs to be fed a certain way. And so that's basically the reason for feed your horse like a horse and, and not, you can't feed them like cows either. You know, they're also very different physiologically. So that was the premise for the, from the, for the title of the book. And it's basically the foundation of everything that I do and have done for many years. Yeah. So what, um, what is the way to feed a horse like a horse if it's not three square meals a day? Well, um, horses are grazing animals as we all realize, and they, their digestive systems are designed to have a steady flow of forage going through it 24 seven. That doesn't mean that horses eat every minute of the day. If you were to add add up the number of hours they actually eat, it would be somewhere between 16 and 18 hours a day. But they need to be able to graze when they want to, and they need to be able to keep their stomach adequately full because Unlike our stomachs or the stomach of a dog or a cat, your other pets, um, the horse's stomach produces acid all the time, every second of every day. Not like you and me, you know, we, we sit down to eat a meal and then our stomachs produce acid mainly to start protein digestion. And then when we stop eating, our stomachs turn off the acid making machinery and we're comfortable, but not so with the horse. The horse's stomach produces acid all the time, 24 hours a day. So if you if you feed your horse um, a, a few flakes of hay in the morning, maybe again in the late afternoon, maybe again at night, like eight or nine o'clock, um, what happens between nine o'clock and the next time you're out there at 6 a.m. or 7 a.m.? that horse is likely going without anything to eat. And so when you do that to the horse, first of all, he's extremely stressed um, because it goes against his innate instincts to to graze. So he's very stressed about that. In his mind, it's like, uh oh, winter's coming. I'm not gonna have enough to eat which triggers other hormonal responses that I hope we'll get into later. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only is he stressed, but likely he's in pain because more than likely he has developed an ulcer. If that's the typical way he's being fed for a period of time, that acid is <clears throat> sitting in the stomach with nothing for it to be absorbed, nothing to absorb it. And another difference 
between a horse's stomach and our own, for example, is that the horse's stomach has a thick mucus layer which protects it, but it's only on the bottom of the stomach, what we call the uh, glandular region, whereas our stomachs have this thick mucus layer throughout the whole organ. Oh, interesting. So our whole stomach is protected against this very uh, caustic acid. The, the stomach acid is, has a very low pH. If you were to put it on your skin, it would burn your hand. Wow. So if it's in the horse's stomach and the upper portion does not have the protection of that thick mucus layer and the horse is walking around or maybe worse, maybe you're asking the horse to get in a round pen and run without having the benefit of having had some hay beforehand, um, then he's going to develop ulcers. And they're very painful. Ulcers mm -hmm. are ob obviously painful. So um, so what, to get back to your very, very good and simple question, how do you feed a horse like a horse? The first thing you have to do is respect the fact that horses require a steady flow of forage all day and all night. And the only way, for example, to know that your horse has had enough hay to last all night is that there should be some left over in the morning. And if there's not, and you notice your horse is pawing and whinnying and kicking and weaving and doing all these things, it's not that he has bad behavior, he is suffering. And that's what I hate to see. So that's yeah. my goal and has been for more than 20 years, 25 wow. years. Yeah, well, it's so important. And I'm glad that you use that strong a language because, you know, it's it sounds all very obvious. They're grazing animals. They should be fed this way. But, you know, a, tip, a typical boarding barn or all the boarding barns I knew of when I was, you know, at places like that, it, yeah. you know, you throw them a couple of flakes of hay at night. And then at, you know, whatever o'clock in the morning where the morning feed is, they're all banging on the doors. They're all, you know, so when you look at it that way, they're not just like, yay, it's food. They're actually it's sad, you know, they're actually stressed out and, you know, feeling pain. And I think it's really important to, to have that strong language because it's not necessarily common knowledge, <laughs> strangely, it's because so, it's such a basic, such yes, a basic understanding basic. of the horse. It makes such perfect sense, but people are afraid. To, well, bar managers don't want to feed free choice forage because it's expensive. Mm -hmm. And so to those clients, I'll say, well, buy your own hay, mm -hmm. pay more. I mean, it's your horse. He's, your horse depends yeah. and, on you. And how expensive is it to, you know, scope them for ulcers and treat them for ulcers oh, sure. and whatever the other, you know, like you said, to connect it to the behavioral um, problems too, you know, there's good, you know, extra training, you know, extra, yes. you know, there's, there's other ramifications. I think um, it, it's, to me, it's, it's so basic that if you, if you want to have a horse, you've got to be able, that's, that's a worthy expense is to feed them, um, feed them like a horse to keep them healthy. You know, there's one other thing you said that was really interesting yeah. that maybe goes back to a misconception. You said if their, if their stomach is empty and then you go exercise them, mm -hmm. um, there's that acid sloshing around now on the upper part of their, their stomach. And, you know, I remember learning and from Pony Club of like, before you do exercise, withhold food mm. 
you know, withhold grain and then withhold hay, like before cross country or something, you know, kind of that's kind of humanizing, right? Because we're told don't eat a big meal and then go swimming (laughs) (laughs) or go exercise. Um, Exactly. So, but, so you're saying, you know, we want them to have food in their stomach. Right. I wouldn't feed them, you know, if you're feeding them a high amount of concentrates, like some grain and the high in fat and high in carbohydrates, you know, I wouldn't feed them that because for example, fat slows down the emptying of the stomach. And so a high fat meal just prior to exercise is probably not a good idea. But hay is mostly fiber and it gets, it leaves the stomach very quickly because most of it, I mean, the carbohydrate, the soluble carbohydrates and the protein portion does get digested uh, early on, but most of it ends up in the cecum and the hindgut where it starts to get fermented. So it's not the same principle Mm -hmm. um, as it would be for us. And again, you know, when horses are uncomfortable because they're, they have ulcers and you're exercising them on an empty stomach, as you well know, and have seen, I'm sure plenty of is the behavioral aspect. Um, and it's amazing to me how horses become totally different animals when you feed them uh, correctly and they mm-hmm. suddenly can calm down and they can listen to you and they can enjoy doing things and working again. Whereas prior to that, it's like, it's like trying to work with your, with you have blisters all over your feet. It hurts. Yeah. So um, you're not going to concentrate much on what, if you're, if you're hurting and the same thing is true for the horse. Yeah. And, and, and you're absolutely right. And I've learned that when, when I meet students at clinics where there seems to be kind of a chronic behavioral problem or you know, they're just not into it you know, with yeah. the riding. I've learned to ask, you know, what are you feeding your horse? And, right. you know, I didn't used to do that. For, you know, as a trainer, I always looked at things from a trainer's perspective, but I really learned to step back a second and go, okay, tell me about the lifestyle of this horse. How does he live and what does he eat? Because often it does come down to, to exactly that. Perfect. And I, I don't know. Um, it seems to me that you're an exception. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't hear about trainers really uh, taking the time to care about that. Yeah. Uh, and it's really, well, it's, it's foundational. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it is. It's easy to get that tunnel vision. You yeah. know, I'm a trainer, <laughs> but right. yeah, for me, you have to be a horse, a horseman and a horse lover first. Um, yeah, you, you mentioned um, you mentioned something like uh, that you hoped you got to this. So let's bring it up. The that the hormonal changes yeah. when you're when you're not feeding a horse the for it you know the free choice forage based diet. Well, um, the first, the most obvious hormone is cortisol because that's the stress hormone, mm-hmm. and so the horse is stressed. Um, and then when cortisol rises. Uh, it causes the horse to become uh, insulin resistant. Now, insulin resistance can be a, a, a condition that is chronic or it can be temporary. Like for example, if, if you'll um, humor me for a moment, I'll give you an, um, a storyline. Sure, sure. You've got a, um, a, um, horses out in a, in a wild situation. So you have feral horses and <clears throat> they're relying on whatever is available to eat in the wild. And what happens when the 
ground is covered with snow. The horse spends more time pawing through the snow, walking more dist longer distances, trying to find something to eat. How does he make it from the lush spring and summer to the, to the fall and winter? And the way that his body makes it is he becomes naturally insulin resistant. His insulin level goes up and that tells his body, hold on to fat. So it is a survival mechanism. So that's, that's how horses survive when food is scarce. They hold on to fat. Now take that to a domesticated situation where we're restricting forage, the same thing happens. They don't know that it's summer or that there's a lot of grass out there. All they know is that forage is being restricted in their minds. It's, I have to go into survival mode. Winter is coming. I better store as much body fat as I can. So if you're trying to help the horse lose weight, for example, and you restrict forage, you're kind of defeating your purpose. That's because so counterintuitive. Body fat's not be burned. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's hard. There. That's hard. Um, that's the reason why stress causes obesity. This is true in horses. This is true right. in people. This is true in all living animals. The, the fact that cortisol, which is the stress hormone, causes insulin to rise. And insulin tells the body to hold on to fat. So, the, well, some of you might be thinking, you know, your listeners might be thinking, well, I put my horse on a less hay and um, he lost weight. Well, yeah, he lost muscle. He lost mm. a lot of muscle. And, um, and maybe, maybe a little bit of fat, depending on the degree of restriction, but um, the predominant weight source that's lost is from, is from muscle and not from fat. So the way then to control the insulin level and thereby help the horse lose weight, if that's your goal, or maintain a healthy weight, um, or even to maintain health in general, because when insulin rises, that's very inflammatory and that mm -hmm. can have problems throughout the entire body. So the way to do that is to take away the stress. And there are lots of things that can stress an animal, but forage restriction I have found is the most common one. And it's probably the most uh, intense cause of stress for domesticated horses. So interesting. But those are the two hormones that are affected. Yeah. Yeah. And do you, um, so I have one horse that is a very easy keeper. Mm -hmm. And I remember speaking to you about her and it's been, you know, this ongoing thing and she's exercised a lot. Do you, do you think that there can be stress from, you know, we, um, I use slow feeder hay nets. So they, she always, they always have, have hay available, but uh, slow feeders. Um, and there's like small itty bitty holes and yeah. then there's like bigger holes. Do you ever feel like if the holes are too small, it causes them stress? Uh, it can be. I mean, some horses get really very good at that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> She's a master at getting it out of there. But I, I thought of that the other day. I was like, well, I wonder if, if it's too frustrating for her to get well, it out. If it have to watch her, if she's yeah. showing signs of frustration where she's banging it around and pawing at it and hitting it with her head and oh, no. you know, <laughs> throwing a little tantrum, um, okay. then 
then you are, you know, defeating your purpose. The slow feeders are really uh, worthwhile, but I, I don't like using them forever. To me, they're a tool to start feeding free choice. So okay. say you have a horse that hasn't ever had free choice hay, and you're worried about the horse overeating and gaining weight. So a slow feeder is very, very useful for that. Um, but you have to start out with a whole size that's less than an inch, well, more than an inch, because an inch is really, really tiny. Yeah. Um, and, and then eventually the goal is to um, help the horse um, lose some weight and then be allowed to eat hay more normally. Okay. So once they start to, to realize that there's always hay around, yeah. then they can have it more. Oh, well, I have to try that because filling those heinous is kind of a big pain <laughs> in the butt. So my assistant would be thrilled if I started. Well, you know, you're that. also dealing with another hormone called leptin. And maybe mm. you've heard of leptin resistance. Mm. Um, when insulin is elevated for a period of time, I mentioned, I mentioned that insulin is very inflammatory. Well, it inflames the portion of the brain, the hypothalamus, and it tells the brain to not recognize leptin. Now, leptin is a hormone. Um, maybe you've heard of leptin resistance, but leptin is a hormone that is produced by the fat tissue. So if you reach a certain level of fat in your body, um, the leptin then goes to the brain and says, hey, I have enough fat. I don't need to eat so much. So you get full faster, you may eat less, you might be more active, whatever it is, so that you don't continue to get fatter and fatter and fatter. That's the normal situation. But in an insulin resistant horse, where the insulin is inflaming that portion of the brain, the brain doesn't get that message. It sees mm -hmm. the leptin, but it says, I don't recognize you. In fact, it sounds like there's a leptin shortage and I must be very skinny and need to eat. Interesting. So the leptin, the brain becomes resistant to leptin. And so that's why when you're trying to get a horse to eat free choice that hasn't had it for a while and maybe overweight, it's, it's, it's more than just for, for, uh, providing a free choice. Now you've got to deal with the inflammation in the brain mm -hmm. that is not allowing the horse to walk away from that hay. That's so interesting. How do you break that cycle? It's difficult. <laughs> it's difficult. <laughs> it depends on the, the length of time that the horse has been this under this you know, situation. Mm -hmm. um, what other things the horse is exposed to? What other inflammatory uh, foods or situations are, are present? Um, but basically, when you lower insulin, you lower leptin. So, um, that would be your goal. Number one is to lower insulin by making sure that the diet doesn't increase insulin. It, it, uh, it uh, is low in sugar. Mm -hmm. We shouldn't have any added sugar. It, mm -hmm. It's low in, in, uh, in um, uh, starch and you need to test your hay. That's mm -hmm. an important thing so that you know that you're dealing with a low sugar, low starch diet so that the insulin level can be as low as possible and then you treat the inflammation separately by making sure the diet contains inflammatory or anti-inflammatory anti. nutrients. Mm -hmm. um, 
there's a whole list of those things I could talk about a little later if you like. But yeah. that would be the way is to is to reduce the inflammation and make sure the diet is low enough so that the insulin response is not enhanced. Low enough mm. in sugar and starch so that insulin is not enhanced. Yeah. Yeah. It's um it's a it's a rabbit hole <laughs> once you start yes. learning about this. And I mean, one of the things I want to make sure everybody knows, like you just have a lot of um, resources and maybe, you know, we'll keep talking if you have time, but um, I'd love yeah. for you to share your website because I'm sure there's people who are like scrambling and writing notes and thinking, how do I get more? So maybe share your website. Cause I know you've got, oh, you and you've got different mentioning. books and, and articles and, you know, I get your email and there's always great stuff in the emails you send. So maybe let's share that now. And then we'll keep talking if you have time. Sure. <laughs> sure. Well, feed your horse like a horse. I wrote about 10 years ago and I continue to update and expand on it. Um, through articles that I write and I <clears throat> post them in my resource library on my website, which is gettyequinenutrition.com. And um, I've also written a few spotlight books, but even those have been updated on those articles. So uh, I invite people to, to visit my website. I have a wealth of information and most of it is free of charge. So um, it goes into a great amount of depth beyond what we're going through, to, going into today. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, and years ago, <laughs> um, I did a, a consult with you, which I found just really helpful. <clears throat> I mean, I tested my hay and then, you know, you and I talked for a while and we just went through my horses and it was just so helpful to kind of get a plan and, and feel like, all right, I have a professional <laughs> plan yes. <laughs> to start with. And that I thought I just found that really, really helpful. So yeah, I definitely invite people to go look at this more. It, it's a ton of information, but I think there's some, you know, by looking at what you've, you know, listening to what you just said and looking on your website, I think there's going to be some changes hopefully people can can make and just start turning some dials and uh get things headed in in a good direction yeah i think it is hard when you're not keeping your horses at home but i love what you said like there's solutions just because your barn won't feed extra hay you can talk to them and figure out how you know what can you do because i think we always have to be the advocate for our horses if we're a horse owner no matter where we have them absolutely they do depend on us and uh, they're living beings. They're not luxury cars that we take out of the garage once in a while. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. So, so basically, a forage-based diet, and then with some vitamin and mineral supplements, and then, then there's all the extra stuff. The you know, we could probably talk for hours about supplementation. Yeah. But is there any? guidance, any sort of umbrella guidance you can give, like when you yeah. start feeling like, should I supplement my horse? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, it, you know, I know that's a huge subject because there's so many different supplements. There but, are, but you know, there are basics. Sure. Yeah. Well, first of all, you have to, you have to, if your horse is on predominantly hay, uh, you have to understand that hay is pretty lousy nutritionally. You know, what's fresh living pasture grasses are cut dried and stored after about three months they no longer have any essential fatty acids you know the omega-3s and sixes they no longer have those they've lost all their vitamin e and their vitamin c vitamin d hangs on for a little while but even that starts to diminish uh the b vitamins can oxidize too a lot of them basically what you have left in hay is um some nitrogen uh which is what 
the crude protein measure tells you, um, and you have some minerals and you have some sugar and starch uh, or, and also some fiber, obviously, lots of fiber. But so if you're feeding predominantly hay, you do need to provide a, what I would call a good uh, comprehensive vitamin mineral supplement. And uh, so, I mean, I have a whole bunch of things on my website, so I won't go into any specifics, but you know, you do, you, you do want something that's going to provide those, those vitamins that are missing and add a little bit more minerals because um, typically hay doesn't have a lot. Um, it's usually very high in iron. Hay, hay is typically very high in iron. So stay away from supplements that have added iron because really your horse doesn't need it. Um, mm -hmm. And then I also add a source of uh, omega-3s. This is really critical. I think this is one of the things that a lot of people miss. Um, they, they give a vitamin mineral supplement to their hay and they think they're okay, but, uh, and, there, and, the, and there may be omega-3s in the supplement, I don't know, but if there are not, then you need to supplement a source of omega-3s. Um, ground flax seeds are great. Mm -hmm. Chia seeds are, are wonderful. Uh, oil like flaxseed oil, camelina oil. Uh, hemp seeds are also wonderful, but I, I use them more for their protein level. Um, and so those two things along with a salt, um, mm -hmm. you need to, I like to offer a horse a smorgasbord of salt, um, you know, like a white block and a, and a, like a Redmond rock and a Himalayan block rock, just because horses vary so much in what they like. Mm -hmm. um, and so they have to have a source of salt. I also like to offer it uh, loose because uh, licking on a rock sufficiently sometimes is irritating. You know, those are made for cattle oh, and cattle have scratchy tongues interesting, and uh, yeah. horses have a very smooth tongue. So salt, vitamins and minerals and a source of omega-3s and sixes, but the, you need more omega-3s and sixes mm -hmm. and you're set pretty much. Nice. You know, now if the horse has pasture, which this time of year, many horses are fortunate enough to be on fresh pasture grasses, <clears throat> then you probably don't need any of those. Th you need the salt always, of course. You may not need the other two things, um, depending on the health of the pasture. If it's overgrazed, it's got a lot of weeds and so forth, then it's probably not going to be as nutritious. So you might give those other two supplements at a half dose, for example. Mm -hmm. But keep in mind that <clears throat> as, this, as the growth uh, rate starts to slow down with the grasses, then they're not as nutritious. Mm -hmm. So like here in Texas, we have uh, Bermuda mostly. Um, and it, it, uh, it starts to turn brown pretty quickly. You know, it's a, it's a warm season grass. And so it grows in the heat of the summer. Whereas up north, <clears throat> you have the cool season grasses and they tend to last further into the cold season. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it's all, and that's where it's so important because every, every area is so unique, you know, different haze available, different grasses, different kind of pastures. So yes. it's definitely not a one size fits all 
Well, I like to get the hay and the even pasture. I like to analyze, you know, Mm -hmm. that's a good thing to do periodically. It's a living organism and it's just a snapshot. Frank, I understand that, but it's, um, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's good to kind of see a trend if you can analyze your, your pasture. But um, that's why I do consultations. You know, people get their, their forages analyzed and I take a look at the big picture if they need help. I, I do offer that. Yeah. Is it ever um, advisable? Like, I guess the aim is to have like the right diet and vitamin and minerals. Is it ever advisable to kind of change brands or, you know, things like that, just to, to, to make sure you're not, you know, I always feel like if I do just one thing and like, okay, if, if there's something missing or too much or too little, and I always feed that, yeah. Um, is it advisable to just kind of switch around a little bit or is it really just, you know, I don't no. think it hurts as long yeah. as what you're switching to is as equal as good as or better. Good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm overthinking it. <laughs> no. But you um, bring up a good point, And that is that when we feed our horses, the same thing day in and day out. Whereas if you think of a horse in a, in a wild situation, yeah. they're eating all kinds of things. They're eating, you know, um, different kinds of grasses they're eating grains they're eating fruits they're eating flowers i mean they're eating mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff and um so their their level of nutrition is uh much more expansive i think yeah, yeah. um <clears throat> that's why i like to feed some whole foods you know i do that too um just just to give a horse some variety yeah you know? Yeah, because that's what I was thinking is they really do in nature just, yeah, it changes different times of the year or as they travel. And, right, exactly. Yeah, just that like same old scoop. You know? I know, I know. And it's uh, hard, you know, if you have like 40 acres of unimproved land and they've got edible weeds and brambles mm-hmm. and flowers and all kinds of things that they can roam on if you're lucky enough to I have a few clients that are really lucky enough to let their horses do that but the yeah. vast majority of us we don't have that kind of yeah I do um, notice like I have 35 acres and different it's all pretty much the same but I do notice they you know I do like to let them loose and they they'll like go along the perimeter and just nibble on different things and then yes. they do well, get flowers uh, as they reach over the fence into my <laughs> husband's garden <laughs> yeah, so they do get to have some of that but he didn't like that but I always think no that's great um Absolutely. very cool um I'd love to switch gears a little bit that's so much good information but um there's a a you know, kind of a product that's out there new, newish on the scene. And I thought, well, I have you, I'd love to ask you about CBD for horses. I mean, it is new and it's, gosh, I hear so much about it. It sort of feels like a miracle. Um, But I'd love to know, you know, when would you want to use CBD, like just kind of the beginner's guide to CBD for horses. Sure. Well, there uh, there is no guide for horses. Um, <laughs> you have to uh, write that one. I hope, I hope there will be. Well, I think we need to see some research first. I mean, it, there's no research yet. I, mm. I think there's research ongoing, but nothing that I've seen published as yet. Um on CBD use in horses. There's hundreds, thousands of articles on the use of, um, of, endo- of, of cannabinoids in, uh, in humans. Um, so much of what we do with horses is extrapolated from that. Um, 
So, and so far, so good. It really is very um, effective for a lot of different reasons. Um, CBD um, stands for cannabidiol. And there are, oh gosh, more than 80 uh, cannabinoids um, in, uh, in the hemp plant. And the most common of which is um, uh, CBD and THC. Now, THC is the uh, psychotropic uh, cannabinoid that is found in, in marijuana that, that gives you the, the high. Um, CPD does not make you or your horse high. So that I wanna make sure that everybody understands that. I think that's the most common misconception when people hear CBD, they think it's marijuana and it is not. They're the same um, uh, genus and species of plant, but then we have subspecies. And so the, the um, hemp plant that is used to extrapolate CBD does not contain um, uh, much of any um, uh, THC. And <clears throat> in fact, the CBD that is on the, that's on the market, uh, if it's a reputable company, will show that their products have less than 0.3% THC. So in that regard, um, uh, pure CBD is wonderful. Now I like a full spectrum when you're shopping for CBD, either a full spectrum or a broad spectrum. The difference is, is that a full spectrum has a teeny tiny amount of THC, whereas the broad spectrum has none and still has all of those other uh, cannabinoids along with what we call terpenes uh, that's spelled T-E-R-P-E-N-E-S, terpenes, okay. which are other chemicals that work along with uh, CBD to enhance uh, its effectiveness. So you'll also see um, CBD isolate. Mm -hmm. And I would not choose that one because okay. you need the terpenes to uh, provide a synergistic effect um, at, with the CBD so that it will have more impact on health. So that's the basics on the terminology, I guess. Mm -hmm. But then what is it used for? Well, um, for my clients, I use it for several things, the most common of which is pain. So for horses that have um, um, arthritis, um, uh, suspensory ligament damage, for example, uh, as well, um, or have are recovering from surgery or have been injured. Uh, I find that CBD helps alleviate the pain to some degree. It is not like giving your horse butte. It's okay. not going to yeah. be. So it's not going to mask it. Right. Okay. It's really, it's going to, it's going to lessen the pain mm -hmm. um, and maybe make it more tolerable. And, and I guess in some cases it might alleviate it completely. It just depends on the degree. Right. Another use for CBD is through anxiety, is for uh, anxiety. And um, 
it has an effect on the nervous system and it does calm down the horse that may be anxious. You might find this useful in, what, in your training if mm -hmm. the horse is being fed properly, but still has some level of anxiety, then the CBD might be useful for that. Mm -hmm. um, it's interesting. Some horses respond very, very well with a less amount, a lower amount of CBD and others need a higher dosage. I've had some clients give a, a, their horse a very tiny amount and the horse just gets real droopy and tired and others that are still very wired and take far more. So it, you have to kind of, you know, trial and error. Yeah. It with CBD. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause I am, um, I recently got some from your shop and, and had mentioned about it. And because I had a, a horse that's recovering from a tendon injury and has been um, not totally stall rest, you know, I take him out a lot, but yeah. you know, it's just, he's had a bad couple of years and, and with a colic surgery and the two tendon injuries. And um, oh. yeah. And he's just, he's a good boy. You might want to take he's some. Just, <laughs> he's doing, I have to say he's doing great now. I mean, I, and I think some of these things are all connected, but he's, he's almost sound now, but I just, you know, he's, he was being good, but just, I could see that level of frustration, just, you know, being restricted. He's a very fancy prancy horse. Um, and uh -huh. so I tried it and, and I feel like it, it just like, I wouldn't walk in and go, Oh, he's, you know, drugged. Um, but it just, he just seemed a little more okay, or just a little less frustrated. Good. And, and then you mentioned that there's been some, um, you know, stories of actually helping with tendon injuries, which I thought was interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, and he's almost sound. I mean, <laughs> you know, I've been doing lots of other stuff, laser and stuff like that, but, um, sure. so how, how does it help with healing? Well, it reduces inflammation okay. and it does increase the immune system. So in those two regards, it would help with, with healing and lessening of pain. Um, it impacts, you know, the, the gastrointestinal tract um, is highly responsible for a vast majority of your immunity. And that's mm -hmm. true in the horse too. And um, the <clears throat> endocannabinoid systems, there's two in the body. Um, one is the central nervous system, including the brain, on uh, the spinal cord. And then you have the, um, uh, the, the other one, which is a more peripheral nervous system as including the gastrointestinal tract. And so that's what modulates immune function and, um, and re reduction of inflammation. And interestingly, it also seems to have an impact on metabolic conditions by, um, creating more of a homeostasis with uh, the cortisol, insulin, glucagon, that whole um, sugar-related um, group of hormones. And then of course, then you've got the, 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 the brain hormones and the pituitary hormones, and it seems to balance them to where the horse does better metabolically. So I will sometimes provide or recommend CBD for a horse that is having a Cushing's disease or mm -hmm. um, is overweight and with insulin resistance as well. Interesting. Yeah, because I'm thinking, because my my big horse, I mean, she's a real chill character. She's not a stressed, you know, stressed out kind of horse. 
Um, but yeah, I really have trouble keeping her weight um, down. Um, I, I might be interesting to try that with her. I never would have thought of that because she's not an anxious type, but if it, it, it might be worth a try. If it can help. I think it would be worth it. To, yeah. it does, there have been lots of studies with humans that it does seem to decrease appetite. Now, mm. whether or not it does it in horses, I really don't know. Yeah. Because horses eat, um, well, horses don't eat because they're bored or mm. because they, you know, they broke up with their girlfriend or. <laughs> they don't eat because you know they're frustrated about this or that or they just got a bad disappointment you know and they take out the ice cream or something like that oh i see so with humans it kind of solves that anxiety the humans we eat we have our hunger which is true hunger and then we have our appetite which is an Mm -hmm. emotional thing yeah we don't have to be hungry to have an appetite to eat so yeah. other things can influence your appetite. Whereas with horses, it's really not that divisive. Mm-hmm. With horses, you're dealing with survival. And yeah. that's basically it. And so when a horse eats, uh, he doesn't eat because of these other stressors that humans succumb to. He eats because he feels for some reason that he needs to eat to keep his body uh, mm-hmm. alive. Yeah. And I, when you were talking about the leptin, I just, my, my big girl, um, I feel like there's something with that in there. Like, cause she's just, you know, she's a little food obsessed. Like it always feels like she's like, I need to eat. <laughs> you well, know, so I'm wondering if resistance she, talking, I think. Yeah. So do you think the CBD could help with, I do. Up? I think that okay. that would help. Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm give it a try. Give it a um, try. Yeah. Give it some time. It takes Yeah. Time. Yeah. But then, and, of course, you know, exercise and mm-hmm. um, was also important. Yeah. And uh, antioxidants are also very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, there's a it's, it's a it's a big it's a whole package. It's the big picture. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, and I know. You know so I guess that I, I love what you described. So people should look for probably broad spectrum CBD. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, like with any supplement, how do you know the good ones? How do you know the ones that are really putting in there what they say they put in there? Uh, well, <laughs> you kind of um, want to, sometimes you'll have information on the website that gives you an analysis report. Um, you want to make sure that the, um, that the uh, hemp is grown without pesticides or herbicides. Mm-hmm. So it's grown organically. Um, you want to be sure that it's extracted properly without the use of, uh, alcohols or other chemicals. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's a good idea to, to get to know the company that you work, that you're okay. thinking of purchasing from. And I know you have, you know, you have a website with all sorts of supplements and with, for the CBD. So have you done that work for us? I have. <laughs> oh God, I have. thank you. <laughs> so I have CBD on my website um, from three different companies. Um, mm-hmm. I think the, I think you got the four CBD pellets that's from Forefront Equine yeah. and they are highly regulated and they spent years on developing that product mm-hmm. very it's a very good product and then um also uh cbd distillery which is probably the most reputable maybe i shouldn't say the most but it's one mm-hmm. of the most reputable 
uh, CBD country, uh, companies in the country. They're based out of Colorado. Uh, and then a new product is made by Medved Pharmaceuticals, which um, uh, from my discussion with the company, they, um, they do a CO2 extraction. The hemp is grown organically. So I feel very good about that one too. Okay, cool. And um, just one more question on the CBD. Like, do we, is it a supplementation or are we like drugging our horses when we use CBD? <laughs> Um, it's a supplementation because uh, cannabinoids are actually naturally occurring substances that are produced inside our bodies. Oh, interesting. Because we have okay. two endocannabinoid systems in our bodies, which I alluded to earlier, the, mm -hmm. the central nervous system and then the peripheral nervous system and the gastrointestinal tract. These systems are... Um, uh, stimulated by cannabinoids, which are produced naturally. The, the trouble with disease states or um, um, conditions that are off balance is that we're not the, we are not, or the horse is not producing enough of these cannabinoids. So we are supplementing them. Okay. Thank you for clearing that, that up because I know it was a thing in, in my mind, especially when we talk about, you know, helping horses calm down and things like that. So, um, yeah. no, that's super. Well, this is a, I, my brain feels full, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I would, I, would you come back and do a podcast again sometime? I would we, be delighted to. Oh, awesome. Because this is so, it's so important. And, and I highly recommend checking out um, her, the website, and, um, and I'll put links to your site on the notes on my website for this episode. So people can just go to my website for this episode and find out more. And I don't make any money off of Juliet's website. So there's nothing in it yes. for me. Um, but I just, it's such a great resource. And what I love is that, you know, you have the PhD behind it and I know you care. So it's really nice to have a resource like that just as a starting point of like, let's see what Dr. Getty put on her website, you know, yes, well, that's it's such a nice great starting point. Thank you. Uh, um, uh, it's really, it's truly a labor of love. Um, as a horse owner myself, um, I, I want to see horses be healthy and I want to see them thrive. And they're just, they're such amazing animals and they give us so much. And so it's, it's a way of giving back to them. I think. Oh, I love that. I think, I think my listeners are going to really appreciate that in you. So um, thank you so much. I really thank appreciate you, all this information. My right. sincere pleasure. Thanks again. If this episode resonates with you, make sure you subscribe on Apple podcasts or wherever you're listening. Training horses is a long game. The more you listen, the more pieces of the puzzle you'll have. To see all your learning resources, visit dressagenaturally.net. That's where you'll find free videos, online courses, my book. You can sign up for my Wednesday Wisdom email or even book a private consult. Most of all, remember, you got this. Never underestimate the possibility for things to improve in ways you cannot yet imagine. Till next time, love your horse move in harmony and enjoy the process.